My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. Just this week, I had a taste for wild game, so Wednesday I grabbed my old Remington and a bedroll, figuring I'd spend a pleasant night amongst the trees. I'll be back in the morning, I called down into the storm cellar. That, you'll recall, is where my wife Elspeth takes refuge from North Korean aggression. Are you running from the missiles, asked she. So certain is my beloved that Kim Jong-un has nuclear warheads aimed straight at Trubeau. No, says I, I'll merely be off hunting, so set your taste buds to barment, because I'll be bringing back plenty. Then I shut the cellar doors and wandered into the piney woods, enjoying the cool shade as I picked my way through the brush. Saw some hillbilly rabbits and raised my rifle, thinking they'd make a fine supper. But they've got those big eyes, which so melted my heart, I didn't have it in me to put a bullet twixt them. No such compunction about squirrels, though, and their meat is flavorful, so I took aim at a dray of them. Missed by a mile, I'm afraid. And as they gambled away, one of them twitched his furry tail as if to taunt me. I would have fired again out of frustration, but it would have been a wasted shot. And you know what, truth be told, I really didn't care much if I bagged a woodland creature or not. More than anything, I just wanted time beneath nature's canopy to take leave of the things of man so that, ensconced in God's refuge, I might contemplate those weighty matters bearing down upon the American psyche. They've been heavy on my mind of late, haunting my slumber and impelling me to down too much homemade. So before I disappeared into the bottom of a jug, I figured I'd best seek communion with Mother Earth. Old Farmer Gray passed long hours wandering through the pines, but firearm at my side, I searched more for solace than prey. Finally, as the sun vanished behind the trees, I settled in a clearing, gathering logs and kindling that I soon transformed into a roaring campfire, used it to heat a pan of canned stew, since I'd no game for dinner, but I drew plenty of sustenance from the fresh night air and the calming sounds of the forest. The chirping of crickets and the gentle rustle of high branches were food enough for me. Staring into the flames, I comforted myself with remembered Bible verses. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Psalms. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Isaiah. And of course, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Matthew. When it reached nine o'clock, I decided to turn in, that I might start out all the earlier in the morning for home. But just as I unzipped my sleeping bag, I heard something that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Because from somewhere beyond the clearing came the unmistakable crack of twigs, twigs twigs being trod upon as if by some large animal making its way across the forest floor. The sound was accompanied by an overpowering stench, one that does not merit description in polite company. I immediately concluded that I was about to be visited by none other than Ursus Americanus, the deadly black bear, and I quickly reached for my Remington. 
thing is, though, I've come upon the species on other occasions, including one memorable episode previously recounted that occurred years ago on Thanksgiving Day, and never during any of these encounters did the animal exude such an eye-watering odor as was now emanating from the darkness. Bears may comprise 700 pounds of muscle, tooth, and claw, but they at least enjoy a bath once in a while. This particular one, however, seemed to take no such pleasure in H2O. Well, folks, I stood there, alone in the wilderness, rifle barrel pointing into the night as the snapping of undergrowth grew ever louder. Beads of sweat broke out on my forehead, and even my index finger, poised on the trigger and ready to squeeze, was slippery. Okay, Mr. Bear, says I in a whisper, let's see the whites of your... But the next word was frozen in my throat, frozen by the sight of what stepped from the trees and into the circle of firelight, for the creature that emerged from pitch darkness was, I can assure you, not a bear. My rifle barrel began to shake, and in the next moment I realized that was because I was shaking, shaking before a being that seemed a hybrid of man and ape. Hairy like a gorilla, with an overhanging brow, prognathous jaws, and huge teeth, but standing upright like you and me. That is, if you and I were seven feet tall, with long arms hanging down at our sides. No doubt about it, ladies and gentlemen, no doubt about it at all. Yours truly was in the presence of none other than Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot. I kept my rifle raised, but he just cocked his head as if sizing me up. Then suddenly he was on the move, closing the gap between us, and I backed up, ready to fire. I discovered, however, that he was not aiming for me, for he instead made straight for the pan of leftover stew. Picking it up by the handle like a real gentleman, he sniffed the contents and, finding it savory, scooped up meat and potatoes and filled his mouth. Then he licked the pan clean and, his hunger assuaged, tossed the utensil aside. I figured, now that he'd satisfied his palate, he'd head back into the woods, but this Sasquatch was of a different mind. To my great surprise, in what was turning into a night of surprises, he crouched down by the fire, sitting on his haunches and warming his paws against the cold air. Well, says I, lowering my rifle at last, you appear to mean me no harm, so if I can provide the comfort of kindling to a myth-turned reality, you're more than welcome to it. And with that, I too settled by the fire, sitting on an old stump and taking in the features of my guest. As light and shadow played across his countenance, he seemed almost human, his eyes betraying a childlike peacefulness. Though envy is a sin, I envied him that. For as I said, I have been wrestling with the national angst. O oh, child of nature, says I, you know nothing of the disquietude gripping our fair country and how lucky you are. The creature grunted, no doubt responding to my sounds rather than my words. How fortunate, I continued, to be unaware of the war against one of the greatest presidents in American history. Oh, but perhaps I misspoke. Perhaps I should have said the greatest president. Perhaps. I guess you'd need someone smarter than me, a simple farmer, to make that pronouncement. A doctor or a mayor or a judge or somebody. They could tell you if Donald J. Trump is our greatest commander-in-chief. No doubt they'd say he is, though. While he sat motionless, 
I believe I saw a furrow in Bigfoot's protruding brow. He looked positively contemplative, in fact, though I can't imagine he understood anything coming out of my mouth. But be that as it may, I continued talking. How I wish I were like you, says I. My ears tickled only by the chirping of birds, not the endless drumbeat of lies from the liberal media. Puffed up pundits declaring, the president dropped the ball on coronavirus. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. He didn't do chicken fat. He cares more about Confederate statues than the sick and the dying. Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Sasquatch. That's a great big pile of the same thing you smell like. No offense. Bigfoot's nose contracted in a snuff, which I took to mean, no offense taken. First off, says I, coronavirus is a hoax. It doesn't exist. I never got it. Nobody in Trouveau has it, except five folks who claim to. I spat into the fire. And let me tell you about those folks. None of them belongs to First Baptist, so their veracity is suspect, to say the least. An old screech owl whinnied from its branch. Sasquatch turned his eyes toward the trees. Secondly, says I, if coronavirus isn't a hoax, which it is, but if it isn't, the dastardly disease was the invention of the far-left hunter. You get my drift? I expected no reply and received same. It's common knowledge, says I, though you won't hear it on the CNN, but it's common knowledge that Joe Biden was in cahoots with evil scientists in Ukraine. That gas company there that employed his son, well, they're the ones who hooked Papa up with these mad doctors. And the deal was, if, da if Daddy was ever behind in the polls, they'd unleash this virus they'd cooked up, see? The self-same virus, now running roughshod from Miami to Moscow. Allegedly. Bigfoot picked up a pine twig and started gnawing on it. I pressed on. Meanwhile, every Senate Republican is aware of one important fact, that every day Mr. Trump spends hours in his secret laboratory, a secret laboratory off the West Wing where he was devising a cure for the coronavirus. You know, just in case it really exists, which it doesn't. I took a swig from my canteen, for old men must hydrate. Then I said, sure, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking a covert laboratory, but Farmer Gray, the president, isn't a scientist. Well, belay those doubts, Brother Bigfoot, as he himself humbly admits, our president has a proclivity for science that stuns even the PhDs. So he's been juggling test tubes and beakers and fancy scientific machines, all with one goal in mind, to preserve the health of our nation. But see, he's reluctant to disclose his activities until he finds a formula to beat this pandemic. Doesn't want to get America's hopes up in case he doesn't succeed. Then I chuckled some. But does anyone believe he won't succeed? Now, folks, if you think I was being loquacious out there in the woods, don't judge too harshly. That ape man was such a good listener, I couldn't not talk. So having just intimated that a presidential failure was near inconceivable, I did allow that there was one scheme afoot that could upend Mr. Trump's good work. I refer, says I, to the tearing down of Confederate statues. Bigfoot tossed a rock into the fire, then hooted when sparks flew up. I guess you're always discovering new things when you're Sasquatch. Anyway, I continued. I said, 
Now, no doubt, Mr. Bigfoot, you're asking yourself, what's one thing got to do with the other? How do a bunch of monuments to the war between the states tie in with the president's medical experiments? Well, it's simple, you see, because all those statues, I mean, just the Confederate ones, were cast using a special alloy, a rare alloy culled from a meteorite that fell to Earth in Georgia a thousand years ago. And as Donald Trump has discovered, that very compound is a key component of the coronavirus drug he's cooking up in his laboratory. That's why he's fighting so hard to keep those statues from being torn down. He needs them so he can harvest the wonder molecule that'll end this alleged pandemic. That's also why Joe Biden and all the other lefties are encouraging all these protests around the country. Once the protesters get rid of these monuments to Southern pride, to Robert E. Lee, Jefferson Davis, Stonewall Jackson, and even lesser lights like Charles Lynn and Williams Carter Wickham, President Trump will never be able to get hold of that life-saving alloy. And that plays right into the Democrats' hands. A low, guttural rumble emerged from deep in Bigfoot's throat. He seemed almost to be growling at the left wing. So that's what's been on my mind of late, says I. Thank you, old legend, for hearing me out. Then we sat in silence, both of us gazing into the campfire. A few moments later, the crackle of flames was joined by the crunch of forest brush. When I raised my head again, I saw that Sasquatch had departed. Fare thee well, calls I. May we meet in happier times, like when Republicans control the House. I awoke next morning, chipper as a chipmunk. I'd fallen into a deep and restful sleep after my strange encounter, a sense of peace having descended after unburdening myself to my visitor. Come sunrise, I headed back to the farm, feeling like my old self again. Sorry, my better half, I called down into the storm cellar. I bagged not a single critter this time out. So, says Elspeth, your woodland sojourn was uneventful? Not completely, says I. I did run into Bigfoot. You be careful, called my wife from her hidey hole. They've got all manner of North Korean spies out there dressed as Bigfoot and alligators and chickens and such. You just never know. That's my bride, dear listeners, the pride of womanhood, but a bit single-minded when it comes to the 38th parallel. Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke. (laughs) 